Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Dom Alessio. And this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning, and stories behind each song. In this episode, we take a look at Wildness, the seventh studio album by Snow Patrol. Since breaking into the mainstream in 2003, this is their first new music in seven years. Wildness taps into something raw and primitive, and as lead singer and songwriter Gary Lightbody explained, the extended break from Snow Patrol proved to be a source of inspiration. Writing songs that weren't pulled directly from his own psyche helped Lightbody get over what he considered to be not so much writer's block, but a life block. Here's Wildness by Snow Patrol. started writing Wildness um, in 2013 and we finished it approaching the end of 2017. And if I could take the listeners to anywhere on earth to listen to it, it would be the beach in Crawfordsburn, County Down, Northern Ireland. It's a beach that I uh, would go to as a kid. Um, uh, Life on Earth, the very first song on the album, there's a line that says, just the ships at anchor, me and you. Just a ship Belfast Lock is that stretch of water, and uh, I always wondered about those ships uh, sitting out there. They'd be sitting out there for days. Just so close to land, but not close enough to get on it. Um, that's the place I think of. I think. Just being where you are is the is the best kind of um, place to start a record. Um, obviously, that comes with its own um, problems because really you are just you know you you're not even going in with your uh, with your with your gun belt. You're uh, you're going in completely naked, and um, then you got to deal with your own madness, um, and that's all you got to work with. And that's what I had to work through on this record before I got anywhere. Is um, the battles that were going on inside my own brain. There was no plan to make the record. There was a plan to get better. There was a plan to get healthier. There was a plan to get happier. Um, and the record got made running sometimes parallel to that but, and sometimes completely in line, or completely um, in the same groove as that. But um, for the most part, tantalizingly parallel, unfortunately. Just almost close enough to reach, but always just arm's length. The first track on the album is Life on Earth. This is the song that took the longest to, to write, the longest to... Um, I started writing that in 2013 um, and finished it 
the day we finished recording. Um, so it took almost five years, and uh, it felt like it took 50 years, to be honest, um, in a lot of ways. Um, it broke me into tiny pieces and then put me back together again. Um, it, I felt, uh, at times I felt like I'd never write another song, that I would never get through this song, that this song would be the last song that I ever tried to write and didn't, and then I would have to walk away from everything. And um, So to finish it was uh, the, the greatest feeling I've ever had in music. Don't Give In, uh, and an almost great sort of counterbalance to Life on Earth, took the least amount of time um, to, to make. It was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was the song that came along to, to kind of tease me in a way, um, uh, because uh, it took, we, myself and Garrett wrote it, and uh, Jack Knifley wrote it in such a short time that I thought, well, this was 2014, I thought, well, I mean, all the rest of the album is going to fall into place very easily now there's not going to be any problems um, and I was very wrong um, it also became a kind of a talisman became a kind of a beacon that it was possible that, that it was possible to write a song it was possible still to finish a song it was possible to make something that I was proud of make something that I um, loved and um, you know it kept you know for so long you know playing so many friends would go Oh, have you got some new songs? And, you know, the only song I would have would, would to play them would be "Don't Give In." So it became a song that I used as kind of like, "Don't oh, you see? I can still do this." Um, you know, it was a, uh, it was an, an important song, a very important song for the record because it actually kind of kept um, uh, that feeling of um, achievement in in the room when uh, so much was unachieved at that time. With the vocal on Don't Give In, I'm sorry to disappoint um, people, but I had the, I had the flu. I, my intention, I had every intention of re-singing it. And uh, um, because I, just, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was good enough. I had the flu, so why the hell would I keep that on the record? Um, and uh, I was re-singing it in the studio um, with Garrett. And Garrett's two daughters, Betsy and Esme, are uh, Johnny McDade and myself are, are co-godparents to the to those girls. And um, Esme, the younger daughter, came into the room while I was re-recording it, and she went, she was literally went, what, 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 what are you doing? And I was like in the middle of a take. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> and she's like, do not re-record. Do not re-record this song. And uh, um, I was like, well, um, I, I know it's not good enough. And she's like, no, it is. It's perfect. You got to keep it the way it is. Or I'll never speak to you again. <laughs>
Heal Me is a song about someone that uh, helped to, um, you know, save me in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Saved me uh, mentally, saved me health-wise, and uh, finally kicked drinking and drugs and all the things that I was doing that were not um, helping me in any way. Um, so I just wanted to write and dedicate a song to uh, the person that, that helped me the most and through that, and uh, she's amazing. Empress, uh, which is the fourth track, is um, again is inspired by my goddaughter Betsy and Esme. I've known them since they were born, or I've known Esme since she was born, Betsy was two, and now they're um, teenagers. They care about the world. They give a damn about what's happening in it. Um, they, um, they 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 see the whole world, you know, in a way that I couldn't possibly when I was young because I grew up in Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland was an extraordinarily closed community at that time. It is no longer. Um, it's a wonderful place to live. I, I do live there and it's an extraordinary place full of hope and joy and music and um, great art. Um, but uh, at the time, Northern Ireland, all we, all, all we heard on the news was Northern Irish news. There was no world news because we had enough news to go around for ourselves. And uh, um, so it was a very kind of closed off kind of, um, even though we were, we were kind of in the, in the uh, um, out on our own in a lot of ways uh, in there. But Ireland, the Republic of Ireland always felt like part of Europe. But we, you know, we never really did feel, felt like part of Europe when I was growing up. You know, I didn't feel that sort of connection to the wider world or uh, the wider continent even. Um, so I sort of reimagined my teenage years through the eyes of my goddaughters who did who do see the world. You know, I was trying to imagine what it'd be like to see the world at that age and and um, and have that sort of affection and uh, connection. Dark Switch was um, something that I'd been, uh, Garrett and I had been kicking around for, for a long time as well, and uh, that kind of chopped up acoustic guitar and the rhythm, um, you know, the, those sort of dance-ish or electronic rhythms are things that, you know, I mean, I've, Garrett was an electronic DJ, so was I um, for 15 years or so, um, and, you know, so that music is in, is in, is in our blood. 
but it's perhaps not associated so much with Snow Patrol. But I, we still wanted it to sound, you know, to have those natural sounds in it. The acoustic has a has an innate and inbuilt um, rhythmic quality to it that the electric doesn't have. There's a percussive element to the acoustic guitar, um, and it's, which is especially evident in a song like A Dark Switch. A lot of this record is about um, having your, um, your, 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 your mind opened um, to, to, to new things. And that dark switch I'm talking about isn't necessarily um, uh, dark as in mysterious, but like dark as in inaccessible, dark as in you've not realized that these emotions, this new way of life, this new way of living, this new way of seeing the world is actually available to you at all until somebody actually puts their hand on the switch for you and goes, no, here's, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in pain. What If This Is All The Love You Ever Get is a song that went through a lot of different iterations. We did a band, a full band version that was kind of had some electronic elements. We'd done a band version that ha that was um, maybe more ex a rock kind of version. We've done sort of various things, but then the version that made the most sense, the version that seemed to um, have the most impact, and I'm not talking to anyone else, you know, we tend to try and make as many decisions on our own without actually asking other people's opinions. Because once you start going out to friends and family members, then you've got too many, too many opinions to deal with. So, just the piano and the vocal, we tried that, and it just sounded perfect. And it also, for the people that are listening, and I realise that it is less people these days, but there are still people that listen to albums as a whole. And for those people listening to the album, you've got five very expansive big tracks and then the album just sort of shrinks in quiet on itself into this very very still um, place that um, you know is, is you know it's that it was deliberate you know we wanted people to sort of go oh right okay now we we don't quite we didn't know where you're going with dark switch and now we don't know where you're going with the record um, I think that track listing Track sequencing is really important. Important um, still, even even in these days. Um, and uh, what if this is all love? Is a is a song really that everything is said in the in the in the, in the title of the song? You know, I mean, that's what are you, are are you gonna let this slip through your fingers? Um, and 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 at the times that we do let these things slip through our fingers, then that's the time. You know, the chorus is like. I've been here, I've been in the ruins, I know the wreckage, I come over, come talk to me. You know, I think that we uh, um, sometimes it's more natural to sit on our own, sit with these feelings and, you know, either try and avoid them by drink, drugs, TV, social media whatever whatever addiction we have um and uh, um what we don't do is talk about them and what's 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 so important is that we do that's what changed my life anyway um i guess it was written about a couple of friends that have been going through um or inspired i guess by a couple of friends that have been going through divorces and i wanted to let them know that i um i was there for them what if 
There's a, a lot of books of lyrics for this album. Obviously, it was nearly five years in the making, so I got to make sure I um, incinerate all those books because they're really bad lyrics. But um, uh, you know, you you get through a lot of crap to get to the good stuff, and I do anyway. Uh, and there are lyricists, I'm sure, that write great lyrics immediately, but um, it takes me a while of some uh, editing. I wrote the line of "Youth Written in Fire" in a different. I was working on a different song, and a youth written in fire, and then I just drew like a box around it. Like I kind of went like a bit beautiful mind, and <laughs> I was just drawing a drawing a box around the the, the the title. And then we're in the studio, and we were listening to what became a youth written in fire just over and over again. And I wasn't really getting anywhere. And Garrett went, "Okay, let's." Garrett it was me, Garrett, and Nathan in the studio, and he went, "Let's let's have a music break, which he'll do often." at times when we're not getting anywhere. And he put on Nick Cave's um, most recent album, and uh, uh, the first track on it is Jesus Alone. He put that on, and I hadn't heard it uh, at, this, uh, at this point yet, and uh, it just shook me immediately. I mean, I, I, I since learned, or learned as I listened, that what the song was about, and uh, you know, it's an extraordinary, um, uh, heartbreaking thing to write a song about um, that type of loss but uh, the song itself uh, as well as the lyrics are this extraordinarily intense kind of rumbling bass and just it just felt like there was something that was being vibrated that there was like my body kind of became a kind of a tuning fork that it was just there was something gonna shift there was something gonna move um, and we listened to that song ten, ten times in a row and uh, after the tenth time, Garrett saw something shift in me, as he as he does sometimes, just good that way, and went, "I'm just me and Nathan are gonna go and grab some food, and we'll come back in half an hour." And uh, he came back in half an hour, and I I'd written the whole song, and um, and I'd taken that line, "A youth written in fire," from a previous page, and I'd written it at the top of the page just before they left, and then everything that. The my whole life as a drink enthusiast kind of came out on the page, and um, you know, it uh, my alcoholism and subsequent recovery kind of was condensed into that song, and it's uh, it means a lot to me that song. Soon was the only song that I've written uh, the lyrics to first um, ever, uh, actually. Um, Snow Patrol will be going for 25 years next year, and uh, I've ne- that's the only song I've ever written the lyrics first. Um, 
I tend to wait with the lyrics to find out how I'm going to feel when I actually record the song, because I might feel differently. Because now that I know that it might be five years between writing the melody and uh, uh, writing the lyrics, it's uh, it's a good it's a good bet that things will have shifted. But with that, my dad had been diagnosed with uh, dementia, and he'd been exhibiting signs that you know he was going down that road, uh, maybe sort of eighteen months before that. I was trying. I was writing poetry at the time uh, a lot. Uh, that's why I started writing. Uh, my, uh, I, I, is one of my sort of most uh, biggest inspirations. And um, when I was fifteen, I was introduced to him by an amazing English teacher, Mark McKee, and uh, um, I started writing poetry almost immediately. And I was published when I was fifteen and sixteen in various sort of anthologies. Um, and uh, don't look for that poetry; it's terrible. Um, but uh, uh, but that's where I started, you know. But then once I started writing songs, um, that kind of shifted. The music always came first, you know. Not sure why the the lyrics kind of came second from that point onwards, but they always did. Um, it, it sounds like they come second because they're less of importance, but I think they come second because they actually have more importance because I want to think about them longer than I want to think about the melody. The melody should always be instinctive and the lyrics should always be, you know, thoughtful. I started writing about my dad and I guess sort of trying to join us together um, as, as best I can, as best I could. Um, first of all, you know, our memories, or both our memories are not good I've always had a terrible terrible memory I can't remember my own song lyrics I've never been able to I've always had to have cheat sheets you know or I forget so there's that kind of memory connection and then in the there's not a chorus there's an A section and a B section in that song and the B section I I put us back to when he was the the lion that he was and I was the I was the pup I was the cub the little boy holding on to his his uh, his thumb, um, and uh, yeah. So it's it's a song about trying to um, burn something into the into the palace of someone's mind, um, something that can never be forgotten. Wild Horses is—it's uh, a song that we uh, like. Uh, the verse and the pre-chorus we uh, we we had for a long time. We knew that um, there was building to something, and we couldn't we couldn't quite get to where it was building to. We we we, we struggled with that for such a long time, and we finally—it uh, was Garrett that uh, like put some chords down and he he went okay well it needs to do this and uh, and he f figured it out as he as he always does he's a, a genius that way of like building a song he found this way to kind of make the song explode uh, in the chorus and uh, and it's one of the biggest vital robust choruses on the record
Everything is sudden Everything is suddenly alive Life and Death, which is the, la the last song on the record uh, It started with a, a can sample uh, and a great German quite rock band um, and Garrett and I kind of I just wrote a few chords over the top of it and and then I'd sung the first verse um, off the cuff though those lyrics were um, uh, I made up as I was singing it um, the first verse and because um, they don't I mean they they I don't know if they mean whatever they mean they don't they don't mean mean anything but uh, uh, in in some ways but uh, but then I tried to rewrite the verse and it um, it just never I never came up with better lyrics even though I don't quite understand the lyrics that came out of me that day it, it I never was able to better it and I also wasn't able to better the vocal performance even though the vocal performance isn't correct either there's a few notes that are slightly missed and yet it has that fragility in it that just sounds really perfect to kind of start the last song of the record that there's still there's still fragility there's still perhaps slight uncertainty there's still um, something in me that is uh, is still maybe a little broken and uh, and yet there's so much joy there's so much hope there's so much um, uh, less fear that um, is, is in is in the record there's the, but there is this sort of dichotomy between the two things you The last lines, you know, I don't want to be so far from you, you know. It's like, I, 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 I couldn't have planned the end of the record better, even though we didn't plan, as I say, we don't have a plan, we don't have a blueprint. Um, that song, as soon as we finished the first version of it, I was like, this is the last song on the record, it just... And the first song on the album's called Life on Earth, and the last song on the album's called Life and Death, and it had nothing to do with the titles. That was just always going to be the first song, and it was always going to be the last song, whatever the hell they were called. I, I wouldn't have planned that they would both be called those things, to be honest, because it's maybe a little too neat and tidy. But sonically, they deserve to be where they are. And, um, you know, I think as well, when you've got a song as strong as Life and Death at the end of a record, it shows that it's how much you believe in the, in the album. Because, you know, I don't know, these days where people might be worried that people aren't going to get the whole way to the end of the album. But I've read some... Um, I tend not to read too much on Twitter, but I have read some things on Twitter of people saying that it's their favorite song. And, and that's you know, it's getting to the end of a record and finding your favorite song on it is, is a beautiful thing. And uh, it means a lot to us that, that that's, that's happening. After this album was finished, the first thing that I did was move back to Northern Ireland and moved into a house overlooking that beach that um, this album features a lot, you know, the imagery. Um, so, yeah, the first thing I wanted to do when we finished the record was to go home, be home, be amongst the people that, you know, 
I, I love the deepest and uh, being the country that I love the, the most, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's a very important place for me. Wildness by Snow Patrol is available now. To find out more, visit snowpatrol.com. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was edited and mixed by the teams at Eardrum and Forbes Street Studios. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com.